We're doing it. I love it. I know you do. Tired of playing nice. No, I'm not tired of playing nice. <laughs> well, Welcome back to nice Shooting guy. After Dark. My name is Ben. We're here to talk about shooting on deck tonight. We got Mr. Kim, the professor. Hello. We got Mr. Hopkins. Hi. Sea guy. We got Mr. Park, the controversial guy. <laughs> Just can't help myself. Can't Everybody stop, won't stop. The whole crew. Well, you guys know the deal. Everybody comes here with a topic or something to talk about. Joel, you told me you have a trigger warning. So that moves you to the front of the line. I want to hear you get mad about some stuff. Oh, what are you right. talking about? Politics? We're talking about USPSA? What are you doing? Are you taking personal shots at somebody? I don't know what it is yet, and I'm dying to find out. All right. Well, I was at a non-USPSA match, and uh, we're like three, stage in, three stages in, and I was one of the first shooters on a stage. I wasn't really watching the people shoot. I already knew where the targets were, what was going on. I was checking my gear, visualizing, making sure my crap's ready. Uh, I shoot the stage. Uh, go figure. I sh uh, there was a popper that I was sure uh, hit dead center in the calibration circle, but of course it didn't fall. So I shot it again, and I finished the stage. Afterwards, I'm like, oh, you know, whatever it happens, I guess. Uh, I talked to a friend, and he agreed it was a perfect hit in the calibration circle. I'm like, okay, well, I just want to make sure like, I didn't you know, push the shot low or do something stupid. No, I was like, no, it was dead center. I'm like, okay. Well, then someone in the squad chimed in that most people on the stage had had to shoot that popper twice also. I was like, oh, yeah, everybody's been having problems with that. And I'm like, oh, tell me more. So uh, so then I, I just asked the squad to hold up for the next shooter just, just to wait a minute as I walk over towards the building we keep our props in. Of course, the, the shooter that was getting ready to shoot asked me what I was doing, and I just informed him that I was uh, that popper was getting ready to have intercourse with him and I was saving him from that. So uh, I, I bring over, you know, Crescent Wrench. We adjust some popper. We get it set. Someone else chimes in. There's another popper that apparently was kind of heavy that some people had to shoot again. I'm like, well, let's just fix that one while we're here. So, you know, we took a look at all the steel on the stage. And sure enough, there was a little bit of adjustment that needed to be made. And, uh, made, and the rest of the squad had a, a better experience. So, like, right, the point Joel, is... So why are you triggered? Did, you, did your back hurt from bending over to wrench on the poppers? <laughs> exactly. My point is, it's everyone's job to pay attention to the condition of the stage. And if you notice something that needs to be addressed, you should speak up. And when it, you know, at times... Well, Matt, just... hey, hold on, Joel. Joel, before we start giving people practical advice, would you advise people just bust out the crescent wrenches and uh, fix the heavy poppers at their uh, you know, nearest USPSA match? Is yeah, that a good not? idea? Of course. Why not? Really? You do that at a major match? Well, valid point. You can't. So you can make sh you can tell the ask you can ask the ROs to, and you they can should ask be the ROs in charge of keeping their stage running. <laughs> Good luck with that, Matt. Let us know uh, that. I will say there <laughs> is a. Come over and explain why you're an idiot if they don't feel like doing it. Don't worry. The flip side of that coin, uh, I know I praise them enough. Like the Iowa section bros, like we've been to that match before. I've seen their staff. Like in the middle of, they will stop a, a squad in the middle of the squad to go adjust something they need to address. So like on the flip side of that, there is match staff that is attentive to the stage. But uh, for local matches, you know, like there's like this saying, if it's, uh, if it's everyone's job, it's no one's job. But I, I would just like to suggest, especially, you know, at locals, I think this stuff maybe happens more where it's just like, oh, somebody else will take care of it. So be paying attention. And if you see something like that, speak up because... 
it's irritating otherwise. First rule of poppers, if you see something, say something, right, Joel? Absolutely. All right. Well, who'd like to go next? I have a match talk. That's what I yes. want the professor. We're here to talk about two gun, right? Yes. Practical oh, yes. two gun. What do you think about two gun? It's the way forward. Yes. It was a lot of fun. Uh, first of all, I, I thought their division was very uh, well thought out. So there's only three divisions: uh, PCC, so PCC and handgun, or competition and handgun. Competition is basically you can think in terms of uh, like a three gun rifle with the muzzle break. Uh, not much limitation, uh, no limitation on optics, so you can get like three optics on it if you want, LPVO, anything is allowed. Uh, all three divisions didn't have optic uh, limitation. And the third one is practical division, which was the most interesting for me. Uh, it's basically a brand new division, uh, no muzzle brake. However, you can have uh, other muzzle devices like the bird cage, flash hider kind of thing or suppressors. Uh, actually, there were quite a bit of people shooting with the suppressor in that division, which was very interesting. Uh, and compensator kind of thing, weird uh, beehive looking compensator. I saw those kind of uh, muzzle device too. I just personally shot with a birdcage, A2 birdcage uh, from BCM kind of thing. Uh, so in terms of divisions, uh, practical, basically, they wanted to accommodate more of the tactical shooters, I would say. And like the rifles that are in used military side uh, was definitely welcome. But there was no three-gun style muzzle brake rifles. So definitely, I would say there so was a slight more wait, Hold on, you're talking about three-gun open, like open style. None of them, no. Yeah, so those are gone. It's good. Those are lame. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then competition division had... Uh, a lot of the three-gun shooters because of the three-gun rifle was used in competition division. And then some USPSA shooters I saw, they were shooting in PCC division because they already have PCC. Uh, none of the shots were too far enough to uh, not be able to shoot with PCC. Uh, I think the furthest shot was 140, 50, something like that. It's a AC zone human-sized target, so it's not a small target either. Tell so us more about the stages while you're at it. Yes. It, that was very interesting. Three stages were terrain stage. So it's kind of like one of those three-gun stages where you're running around in a terrain. There's not particular berm concept on it. So 180 was a little bit tricky. Uh, some base did, wasn't 180. It was more than 180. Uh, so those stages had far shots. Far shots meaning 100 yards past. Uh, anything 100 yards past was a ringing uh, steel target, so you don't have to paste or anything. Uh, arrows will yell hit if you hit it. And some of the far shots actually had some kind of prop you can support on, uh, whether it be like the, I forgot what it's called, the VTAC wall, is that right? Yeah, barricade. Yeah, those kind of weird barricade was there, or it could be a, uh, they call it sawhorn stands. So it's like a bar and you can rest your rifle on it. Or sometimes one stage had a port. So a lot of people just rested their rifle on a port. So all the far shots were able to be shot with support. So that was I thought that was a very good idea. Uh, because I would say maybe 30%, 40% people had LPVO. And rest of them just shot uh, either red dot or red dot with magnifier. 
So a lot of people actually shot without a magnifier. I shot only a red dot on it. So none of the shot was super difficult enough to think about windage or anything like that. Uh, and most of the target was big enough to not think about the bullet hold or the bullet drop, anything like that too. So that was interesting. And other stages, so nine stages total plus vendor stage. So actually the vendor stage was part of the schedule. I thought that was actually a bit, very good idea. So you have to stop on that vendor bay for an hour-ish. And vendors were awesome. There were like full auto guns. There was a weapon-mounted vehicle you can... That one you had to pay, but the full auto gun, everybody shot it for free. Uh, other, like the Cobalt Kinetics uh, rifle bay was there too. You were able to shoot fancy ARs, AR pistols, all that stuff. So I thought that was pretty cool. So three stages terrain, the rest of those stages were kind of like the field course from USPSA. So in terms of the dimension of the stage was very similar to a big size USPSA field course. Uh, so basically, you're covering twice the dimension. So meaning you shoot with a pistol, shoot with a rifle. So the times tend to be in the high 30, maybe 40. So basically, it's a 20-second stage in USPSA only with a handgun. But because there's a rifle, most of the case, you weren't really allowed to like go back and forth, back and forth with a sling or anything. So you had to either stow in a dump box and then switch to pistol and then shoot rest of them. So it's like 20 seconds of pistol, 20 seconds of rifle. It's easier explanation that way. Mm -hmm. uh, but the terrain stages were, uh, I saw very fast times being uh, middle 30 to uh, 40. But some big stages, there was one that were very, very big. It was like 140 yard shooting. And then also you had to transition to a pistol and then run a lot. Those stages were commonly uh, 50 seconds. And of course, there's longer stages than that. And one thing uh, that was really interesting for me was actually the different target. Uh, they call it, the scoring is points per second, they call it, but it's basically what it is, it's a hit factor, same system. Uh, but the target's different. So in terms of the dimension of the target, it's a IPSC turtle target with a top triangle cut out so that the top triangle becomes a head. And then the middle square and the bottom triangle is just regular alpha charlie delta uh, if you shoot the head there's a zone where out, outer edge of the head is just regular alpha but the middle section is called kill zone or k zone you just need to put one round in the k zone and it's a two alpha and if it's outside if you shoot alpha charlie delta you need two shots right or or else it's a mic so that was most interesting in terms of strategy. There was one stage where handgun had to be shot 22 rounds. Uh, if you shoot two per target, it was 22 rounds total. And then I have 23 rounds in my mag. So just to save a reload, I would shoot the close target at the kill zone, which requires one shot only if you, if you hit the kill zone, of course. So I shot the head on a couple targets, and then I got a kill zone on it. So I saved a couple rounds for possible makeup or eliminating the reload. So I thought that was pretty interesting. A lot of people just shot automatic two shots on every target. A lot of people actually did that. Some people actually try to shoot kill zone on a closer target to save rounds. So that's another strategy that was pretty interesting. Yeah, it sounds like uh, the UML rules, which that's what we do for 2 Gun at our club. 
Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, one alpha to neutralize or the two C's or whatever. Um, did they do part time at all on the stages then? Or there did you wasn't. Just, you shot until you complete, completed the course. There was time limit. Uh-huh. There was a time limit, uh, which is three minutes, which okay. one stage I used all three minutes and I ended up Aro stopping me because of the malfunction. Yeah. So, yeah, there is a time limit, three minutes, but it's not like part time. Okay. So, yeah, people like me who had a malfunction and you can't fix it in time, uh, you have to stop. Uh, so shoot me straight on the PCC thing. We basically yeah. took PCC away at our... Uh, two gun matches because like you can't have well like the proper stages we wanted to build we're out to like two and three five hundred yards mm-hmm. and no one's gonna make that with a PCC. <clears throat> Do you feel like that like that kind of thing would? I don't know. I guess I feel I feel like that limits stage design a bit. It sounds like they had courses that it didn't matter that it was okay to shoot it though. I yeah I would definitely think. Uh, the reason why I really like this match is because they didn't have super far shots. And I think their focus was more of a practical shooting, um, I would say. Like, I mean, if you're in the military, that's a different case. But if you are sure. not in the military, uh, we'll probably don't ever in, in our life uh, has to shoot at that distance. If you ever Well, in guys in the military have to identify what they're shooting at, too. Yes. <laughs> when people get far away, that becomes difficult. <laughs> To know who the fuck you're shooting at. Not at shapes and sounds and colors out there. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yes. And there was one particular <laughs> stage. Painted white plates at 500 yards. <laughs> there was one particular stage that was the most interesting to me. There's three cars in the stage, and you have to uh, start in the stage. Uh, your gun's in a glove box, and at the buzzer, you have to shoot the pistol inside the car. And there are some designated targets that you had to shoot inside the car with the door shut. So you have to shoot through the window. And then there is a designated target that has to be shot underneath the car with the rifle too. So that was very interesting uh, setup over there. And I think a lot of people enjoyed it. Um, yeah, the car is probably beat up a lot right now. I think right, Kim, I think most posted video also. out of the match. All right, Kim, I got I to gotta know one other thing. Yeah. What would you change about the match, if anything, for next year? Mm-hmm. Yes. So uh, there was a little bit lack of communication before the match started. So they weren't releasing uh, the right information, for example, the rule set, and also like what kind of food situation, uh, the vendor introduction, or the range introduction. Like USPSA, you have a matchbook, and the matchbook is in a set form that they have to tell you, hey, this is the address, this is how you come, this is a parking lot, this is a schedule, blah, blah, blah. Those kind of information was pretty late. Um, that was one thing. Uh, so a lot of people, they they did the description of the stage before the match, like a couple of days before. But when we got there, it was saying, hey, now there's a designated target for this target, that target. Everybody knew it uh, at the briefing. So those kind of information was lacking for sure. Mm. Uh, I think everything else was very good. One more question. So it's pretty minor stuff, really. Is Do you yeah. feel like it weighted the shooting ability for the guns equally? Meaning, do you think, like, mm-hmm. you, it didn't matter if you weren't worth a crap with your handgun, as long as you were strong with the rifle, you were okay? Do you feel like it was equally important to be good with both guns? That's a very good question. And I would say yes. Uh, it was very equally tested. 
the target distances were, uh, I think they were testing for handgun. They were like two inch plates at like 20 to 25 yard distance. That's, yeah, a, a difficult shot. Okay. Yes. So I think for a handgun, they were really testing. There were targets close up too. Sure. So the average distance of the target was right on point. I would say maybe 15. Um, yeah, somewhere around it. And the rifle, in my opinion, uh, it was testing more of gear change. Uh, like there were rifle targets that you want to go really fast. And then now you have to slow down and then shoot like a hundred yard play kind of thing. So there was a lot of speed change and the terrain stages uh, on all of them. When I was done shooting, I was panting. Uh, there was definitely like you got to run uphill or you're going to run some distance. So there were times where you had to shoot after running uphill kind of thing. And then by the time you're there, it's not a difficult shot if you were shooting seated and, you know, bench it on a rifle, mm -hmm. in a shooting range, taking your time. It's not a difficult shot. But after running, it was a difficult shot. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Oh, and the transition was pretty interesting sector. Uh, so there are two stages that you were uh, you had to start with the rifle slung unloaded, and you start with a pistol. So eventually you have to transition with the sling, and then load your rifle and start shooting. And there were many different methods, and I thought that was pretty interesting. Some people were uh, hanging the rifle in the back, a slung, and then they were just focused on running because there's nothing in front of you. And they were like shooting on the move stage, and I personally shot with the rifle in front of me. And then uh, when I was shooting on the move, I was pretty cautious. I'm not sprinting because the target is super close on a pistol. Some people were not worrying about the rifle in front of them and then just hose at it really fast. But for me, some people in the rifle front, they would be a little bit more cautious so the rifle is not hitting your arm or anything like that. But the speed-wise, having your rifle in front of you is a little bit more beneficial than getting all the way back and load it up kind of thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it sounds awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. It was a lot of fun. A lot of takeaways. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, Matt, what do you have? All right. I got two topics tonight. First one. No, no, you get one topic. Just <laughs> for this one. I'll do one for the next one, though. I'm just telling you. I'm ready. I love this. So, Spike, this I is probably not have... half year that you've had a topic ready. <laughs> just calm two down. Topics. I got two, I'm though, so we're good. Perfectly calm, dude. Calmer than you are. I got a new backstrap for the P10. So local gunsmith is making these backstraps now. And so the color looks like it's brass, right? Told me P10s are no good. They're good. Is that the one okay. made out of solid gold? This is yes, it's actually made out of solid gold. <laughs> no, it's actually a material called Ampco. So it's like a it's like brass and nickel and aluminum all mixed together. Okay. And it actually has, it's harder than brass, so they can actually put points on it. So oh. it has, like, actual diamonds on it, so you get actual texture compared to normal brass backstraps. You'll see, like, horizontal lines across them because the brass is so soft, yeah. eventually the tips will wear down and wear off. So with this mixed material, it's actually hard enough, and it won't wear down over time. Uh, so Stonebridge Gunworks, you can get these uh all sizes available uh adds about three ounces so it's a little lighter than brass but 
a lot heavier than plastic. So, okay. oh, Matt, that's pretty cool. But have you looked at the BSPS brass <laughs> frame weight for production division, sir? So, yeah. So I'm going to do this and then I'm going to get my 10 ounce, seven ounce flashlight. It's not a flashlight. It's a frame weight. It includes an LED light to comply with USPSA rules. Of course. <laughs> Whatever. It's seven ounces. So I'm going to get a two ounce tungsten guide rod, a seven ounce light, this three ounce back strap. And add 15 ounces to my 28-ounce gun, to, so it weighs still less than a Shadow 2. Puts you right where you need to be. I wonder That's if you right. can get like, projectiles to load, like bullets, that weigh more also. Maybe you ought to look into that. Uh, so, serious question. How much, like, that metal, that material, how does that compare to brass as far as cost? Is it like the so, same price what a brass would be or less? Or I think it's going to be more. So, the material is like an alloy they use in like impact sockets and pry bars for explosive areas. So it's really like, it'll withstand like impacts. Like it'll withstand a squib. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it doesn't okay. spark, but so it's more expensive than brass, but it's more durable. It lasts longer. It it's has almost the same weight. You get the added texture in on the back of it. That's probably the biggest benefit of it. Um, He's also going to be making magwells for guns. So, you know, you usually have like steel or aluminum, right? Aluminum gets beat up all the time. The brass magwells kind of get beat up also. They're soft. With this Amco material, it'll actually absorb like all the bad reloads that you have if you're shooting like... You could do a lot of bad reloads, buddy. I have some steel frames I've fucked up. Yeah, exactly. See? <laughs> like... The stuff will take it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Mine are so... uh, definitely a bit bit worse for wear man i do have a brass back strap too yeah so uh i don't have the flashlight right now but this is 4.5 it's not a flashlight it's a frame weight <laughs> yeah no so, we got to call it a flashlight or they won't no, no from the website it says the led is not intended to be used <laughs> as a flashlight and is only included because it is required in uspsa that's what it says boom so my carry <laughs> optic gun with a flashlight brass back strap and a brass yeah. uh base pad and the optical, of course, it was 41 ounce, but the flashlight was only like three and a half ounce. Uh, You're behind weight. the times now. Well, I'm sure magwells yeah. would be allowed before too long anyway. So. Well, oh, and titanium also. guide rod was in it too. So Jeez. 41. It's production, baby. So yeah, like with all this editor, all this bullshit, like frame weights and all that, like we're going to hit 59 ounces, right? Like so we can see someone finally get bumped open. <laughs> first person yep. who does it it's an american hero that's who that is <laughs> yeah of course <laughs> all right let's move on Hold to on. a question he's gonna give him a badge yeah we should give wait we ben, should give did him... you have a topic oh shit i did have a topic uh i would like to talk about the drill you did today that we talked Next about last night topic. all right i, I have to... questions so go ahead what were, what were your questions about my drill sir well uh what was the drill hold on let's do that yeah first. let's all right, so I was working on MXAD, but that wasn't complicated enough. So you got a target at seven and a target at fifteen, something like that. So instead of shooting six shots on one of them and then two on the other, I just went back and forth for every shot. It was horrendous. Let me tell you. So I'm trying. So you're trying to move your eye. You're just flipping your eye back and forth between a target at mid range and a target at close range, and you just have to like keep changing your visual focal point like four times a second. If that sounds hard, it's it's because it is. It's really I can hard. see 
a lesser trained shooter turn it into point shooting unintentionally? I could see a lesser. I I was turning it into point shooting unintentionally. It's almost like you're trying to get your vision caught up with what your uh, yeah are doing. And if if you get your vision in front of what you're doing, you're very you're a lot more accurate. And when you don't, it it it, it looks and feels like point shooting. All right, it's a very interesting exercise. Shoot me straight. What did your first drill, your first run on that drill, look like? It was fine. It was just slow. When you start going faster and faster, is where you start running into problems. By the end of the practice session, did you feel like you had it nailed down to where you were happy, or is it still a work in progress? What the fuck are you talking about? You practice with me. You know that's not even a thing. That's true. About <laughs> All right, fine. You've ever seen me leave practice happy? Have you? Have that ever happened? True. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Son of a bitch, Joel. <laughs> All right, but anyway, the reason I started working on this was the theory. Uh, I mean, it was like, hey, this is an interesting transition exercise when there's one target transition. Let's use the same close spacing of the targets and the difference in distance, right? So you're not putting two targets next to each other seven yards away or something like that. No, your, your vision has to jump out and then back in. So it's constant focal depth changes. It gets, it's horrific. It really sucks. And if you tense up at all, the targets are so close together uh, in terms of how they're laterally spaced that if you tense up at all, you start swinging the gun too hard, you know, and swinging past stuff. I mean, seriously, I was ready to, I was ready to, you know, damage myself towards the end of practice today. It was very challenging. Is it something you think you'll do again? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, uh, I, I myself, so yeah, I'm going to do it some, some more. some poor sap listening to this, would you recommend other people try this drill? It sounds very difficult. Yeah, I mean, if you're understanding, if you even know what drill I'm talking about and the target distances, like, if you've actually done this, and this sounds interesting to you, which is not a lot of people, go ahead and try it. I just thought it was i was an interesting challenge. The reason I was doing the drill and we kind of got ahead of ourselves was, hey, I really want to emphasize target transitions. And this single shot per target thing is very interesting, but not just maintaining it going right to left or left to right across a set of targets, but like going back and forth with targets of different, like different focal depth. Like, Jesus, it was... Uh, it was horrific. I recommend you guys try it. I will. It sounds like a very good hand-eye coordination development. Right. And what got me doing this was doing track the A-zone. Mm -hmm. So I do remember the, the I started putting track the A-zone drill in classes, and that's a, a drill that the professor developed, of course. Um, but, you know, and professor, tell me if this is right in terms mm -hmm. of your experience. When you're doing track the A-zone super fast, it's almost mm -hmm. like you're going to look for where you think the A-zone is. And the mm -hmm. gun's going to go to that spot. But in order to make the time, you're going to shoot immediately when you get the target anyway. Yes. Right? So yeah. you pretty much get punished on the accuracy of where you look and how well you track the A-zone if you're shooting mm -hmm. that really fast. Yes. It's a very good vision guidance, I would say, vision guidance right. skill. So in the course of shooting track the A-zone, I was like, shit, this is hard. This is really hard. I bet I could think of something even harder. And then I did that. That was kind of what I was thinking. I like it. I want to try that drill. <laughs> yeah, you should. And you should go like pop, 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 like back and forth. You're like, my, mm -hmm. my word, this is hard. Uh, you still stick with the eight rounds on it? Right, yeah, no, it makes it way harder. Try doing yeah. 16 rounds if you really hate yourself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, and Ben, sorry, I can't help myself. For uh, training group members, uh, that is the drill of the month for this drun- month. So you should. What is? Track the A zone. Track the A zone. I'm like, wait, what are we sorry. talking about? What is sorry, here? I was jumping around. Uh, yeah, so in training group, that is the drill of the month where you should shoot it, post your videos, takeaways, all that garbage. And uh, you should also listen to my podcast, Training Group Live, because we talk about it in depth as well. So Nobody likes your podcast, Joel. There we go. I, I had to get in my two cents, show my stuff, you know? All right. I'm going to read a, an email. It's not really a question. It's more like a guy telling us what he thinks we should do. But it's interesting, so I'll read it. As a fairly novice former match director, I can attest making interesting stages is difficult. The various podcasts have the topic of what makes a good stage commonly, but the answers are mostly nonspecific. Options, like that's actionable. My suggestion is for your expert crew to review stages on video detailing what makes them good and what made them suck. How changes could have been done to improve them. Maybe a bigger challenge than imagined. Believe me, me shit talk narrating your video is not a challenge. Anyway, it may be a bigger challenge than imagined. However, getting a better set of stage design skills out there will help make matches more fun, and it may turn the tide from the more targets is better mentality. Uh, sadly, this is a small part of what uh, USPSA should provide clubs. However, they do jack shit outside of taking fees. Uh, anyway. <laughs> wow. Man, people are, people are like turning on USPSA. I don't know what's happening. It's weird. It's weird, yeah. I don't know what's going on. Anyway, uh, any reaction to the uh, the actual statement here from our letter writer? Like, well, that sounds like a corporate shill, but uh, Ben and I have a video for that on training group also. Remember that, Ben? I do. You made that when I was at your place? Yeah. I do. It was, uh, yeah, we did, did do that. Um, but I have to say, uh, it, it is really a lot more of an art than a, than a science making these stages it is a it's something that i mean no i don't think any one person could even design stages for like more than one nationals in a row you know what i mean without it kind of getting samey it's even, really tough yeah like even our our section clap match or sorry our level two match uh <laughs> the cornhusker classic uh like we had a bunch we had i don't know let's say Five to Why are you ten laughing when people. you reference your section match there, Hopkins? It's That's not my section. That. I'm not involved at all in this. Uh, what about your section match, Joel? Uh, so <laughs> what I was saying is having a bunch of different people developing stages is a good idea because everybody has a different idea for what's, uh, what's good. <laughs> That's okay. I won't say any more, Joel. I won't say any more. I'm not going to. You can. Uh, no, okay. Well, yeah, we should do something about these fucked up stages. Yeah, so no, how no. do you do it, though? Like, how do you do it? You say, like, I know, you oh, buy options are good, right? To, to actually fix the problem or to make a YouTube video? What are you asking? Both. Like, this guy's oh. asking, like, how we make can fix Make a YouTube this. video, I would just pull people's match videos and then narrate over what's wrong or what could be improved about the stages or just our, are you actually give our gonna do this? No, I'm not going to do that. I was um, about to say, yeah. That would seem mean. The reason I don't do that I make a point of not doing that. We try to stay away from it. You know, it's like we only really talk shit about nationals because it's kind of like, look, it's nationals. It's fair game, you know, in, in my opinion. But other matches, it's kind of like, hey, if we don't like the stages, we don't make a huge fuss about it. We just don't go back. I yeah. think that's more that's tasteful. Insane. So like, yeah, one it, thing it, I can say, like we say you want options in there, right? Uh-huh. So say you have a port that has a target in it, right? 
But if you have another target out there that you can also see in that port, but also see from three other spots on the stage, that would be an option. Well, potentially. Since he's talking about yes. actionable. Potentially. Like, an option yes. has to be something that good shooters would would potentially do. You know what I so, mean? Yeah. Just no, no, making no. Ben, the target ben, explain what you mean by no that, no good please. shooters are going to shoot at it that way, then that's not really an option. Right? Yeah, but I somebody mean, is going to shoot it. Yeah, it, it's not. Well, just, because some, just because some D-class idiot does it doesn't mean that it's a real choice. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of like the choice between you want to get hit in the head with a hammer or a baseball bat. <laughs> or do you really feel like you have a choice in that scenario? See what I mean? Uh, yeah. How, how about this? Like, well, I can shoot this, this target in the one spot it makes sense, but I can see it four other places. So, how about okay, this? Well, that's really not meaningful. On a stage, there's more than one way to shoot it to the point the top guys at the match have a discussion. Hey, Matt, you think go left or right? Ben says go yes, left. 100%. Matt says go right. That's That would be a good test. Yeah, how do you get there, enough. though? He's asking, how do you get there? How do you get to a place where you build a stage and then have good shooters look at it, disagree how to shoot it properly, and then shoot it? I mean, you're asking how to get to that? Yes, that's what he's asking. He wants something actionable. I, I know. He wants something actionable, but... But the truth is you have to be able to look at the stage and identify what the viable options are and what good shooters are likely to do. You know there's what I no mean? There's no principles or anything that we can well, say. Well, sure, to... there's plenty. There's some principles. I mean, I'm not really smart enough. We, we, this has been stuff we've talked about. But um, like the, the fact is you have to, you have, to have a certain uh, level of uh, shooting ability to even understand what these shooters would be looking for. And that's a problem. It's a big problem. I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible for B-class shooters to build good stages. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying it, be it becomes hard. You know what I mean? You're like, hey, what, like, how far away are people comfortable shooting while they move? Or what are they going to do with this activator timing sequence we have here? Or you know what I mean? Like that, you, you have to kind of know how to shoot. Well, it's like, uh, it's like a, a career in a way that you pursue where you'd be building stages over years. <laughs> And seeing what how people sh like observing, even if you're not the heat, observing how people shoot it, uh, it you know, asking them what they you know like at a match, send out a like a survey. What'd you guys think? What'd you like? What'd you not like? We're asking people, getting feedback. It's it's not something that we could give. Unfortunately, like hey, if you do these five things, you're good to go. It's just like shooting. It's something that you work on over a period of time, and sometimes you you know make mistakes where it's not so hot, and sometimes you hit it out of the park. So it's just. A work in progress, just like shooting. All right. Yeah. Well, what about yeah. the solution, Matt? You want to hear my idea there? You're going to put up a YouTube video, aren't you? No, that's <laughs> what I could do. I say that'd be easy. I don't really view that as a solution. Uh, an actual, so you actually want to solve this problem or make some inroads. You'd uh, kind of take charge of the nationals and area matches, have them run to a different standard in terms of stage design than what we have now. So why would you do that? Uh, if you cared about uh, making the sport better. I'm not saying anybody does. I'm just no, saying. No, I, I get that. But so what people see at nationals and area matches trickle down to state and local matches. 
well, to I mean, match all, directors. All the serious guys go to those matches, and everybody's been to a club match where they're like, hey, we pulled the stage from our area match. We're shooting that here. Or, hey. Yeah. Well, uh, it trickles guys, down, and then people see it. Eventually, these guys saw this at the, the section match, so we're doing it here. So kind of, yeah. yeah, it's kind of from the top down. That's why that I'm a... Uh... What are you talking about, Joel? Nothing at all. What damage? Like, I don't give a... F like, there's no damage being done, dude. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, like, yes, that's what you would do. If you were, if you were interested, you would have it trickle down from the, uh, from the area matches. Uh, that'd be the, that'd be the, that's actually a viable strategy that could be implemented. I'll put it that way. Doing all the section matches, it's way too much, right? That's it's way too decentralized. But the nationals and area matches, that's actually viable. That could actually work. In terms of like educating people to build stages, you know, nicely and all that, like maybe making a content as a USPSA organization. Like for for example, if I was a king of the day, I would reach out to someone who did the match directing and who's a very practicing regularly. Basically, if I, you know, like Florida, there's a couple people that's known uh, who's a top shooter and also match directing. Uh, and some some people in Utah kind of thing. So big names who already uh, associate with area matches or nationals. Some couple nationals, like our previous president Phil Strader, could be one of them. Mm -hmm. Like reaching out to people who actually has experiences uh, with shooting multiple different style of matches. So for example, it could be IPSC as well, and then have them actually like hire them to make a couple of videos on what's their rule of thumb because like guys like shannon uh and a lot of people did in utah a lot of people are very experienced and i think they have their own rule of thumbs when it when they when it comes to build stages how to make it interesting how to make the options more actionable like we just talked about yeah mm -hmm. absolutely all right guys that's a good time to leave it another bang up podcast Listeners, if you have a question you want the answer to, go to bensager.com. Send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. Anything else? I don't think so, guys. I think we'll kill.